The Medallion, Chapter 28 The crypt door had locked behind Kate. She would need to wait on the Kadir side of the city wall for Atia and the grey-eyed man. Kate looked up at the word carved over the door. Morgan must be the name of the grey-eyed man. George said his brother was named Morgan, but he also said Morgan was the man who had killed George's wife and child. That couldn't be the same person. The grey-eyed man was kind and the chamber proved it. Sitting on the polished steps of the crypt's broad porch, Kate leaned against one of the fluted pillars that supported the roof. It would be good to rest while she waited for Atia and Morgan, if that was the name of the grey-eyed man, to come through. Taking the glowing medallion off, she shoved it into her back pocket. The last thing she wanted was to be pulled into the chamber to deal with Corvin and the way the medallions were moving about. But her mind circled back to the problems as she stared up at the Lumians overhead. She was now certain Jord took the medallion she had found among the bones because Tirith was holding the one Jord had used to meet her the first time. Morgan gave his to Atia, and Corvin had the one he was supposed to take to Tirith. Counting the glowing one in her pocket, that made five altogether which made sense as there were only two doors in the chamber not yet accounted for, the broken one and the door immediately to the right of it. Whoever scared the old woman to death likely came from the broken door, so they must have a medallion or else they didn't need one since the door was broken. She sighed. What was the point in even trying to figure this out when she couldn't remember the details from the last time she was in Kadir? She slumped down against the pillar and was drifting off when someone kicked her in the side. Through foggy eyes, she looked up at a man in a long black cloak. You are supposed to be guarding the entry. The man pointed into the plaza and Kate pushed herself up against the pillar. Since when does a member of the Roseanne Guard, he pointed at the circular insignia embroidered on the hem of her sleeve, sleep on guard duty? He jerked a thumb into the plaza. If it wasn't for the fact that we will need everyone for the fight, I would send you back to serve out some time in the punishment cells. Go join the troops before I change my mind. Kate stood stiffly to her feet. A line of ghostly figures were streaming out of a pointed building to her right and creeping through the fog and out through the exit from the small plaza. Atia was right. The rebel army was attacking the city right away. Kate hurried past the man, but he yanked her cloak and forced her to halt. Wait here until they're all in and then bring up the rear and I will follow after I lock the door. When we arrive at the clearing, you will stand guard at the entry. If you fall asleep again, I will personally handle your execution. Do you understand me, soldier? Kate nodded, and he left her to walk along the line of men, issuing quiet commands until he reached the door of the building the soldiers were coming out of. He waited until the last one straggled out. It was the man who had discovered Kate and Atia behind the pile of broken stones. Kate lowered her head and watched him go past. He had a bandage over his head, and his good eye was focused on staying in line. The soldier beckoned for Kate to take her place behind the injured man and then followed behind her. There was no escaping now. Following the line of soldiers, they passed through the plaza gate and turned down a narrow street lined with miniature buildings. At some point on her last visit to the Corps, these rebel soldiers had carried her on their shoulders through these streets to her wedding, and then a priest arrived? Jorid. Kate stumbled with the realization that was where she had first met Jorid. He was there to marry her off to the rebel leader, but instead he had helped her escape. He had hid her inside one of these miniature buildings. She searched her memories, but there was nothing more to help her to understand how it all fit together. The line of men turned into a narrow entry. As they entered the gap, the soldier behind her grabbed the back of her tunic and brought her up short. I'll wait here while you check out all the crypt doors around the perimeter. We don't need a repeat of the last time we gathered here. He stepped past her and grabbed the injured soldier from in front of Kate. You stay here with me and rest a while. If you are correct, you will be justly rewarded. Kate turned her head away as she squeezed past the two men and then followed the tight alley into an open area filled with clusters of rebel soldiers. The memory of her last time in this place rushed out to meet her and she drew back. 
All of the men then had been watching her, but now they were intent in talking with each other, the collective murmur filling the air like bees in the lilacs back home. Kate took a deep breath and walked around the edge of the clearing. All she could see were the rough stuccoed walls of what the man referred to as crypts. Of course, Atiyah called this the City of the Dead, and the small buildings were all graves, but none of these had doors. Halfway along the black section, a vertical crack caught her eye. Was this the door he was talking about? And if this was a crypt, would there be dead people inside? She pushed lightly, and a narrow door slid off to one side to reveal a dark room with a bench along the wall. There were no bodies, but she had an instant recollection of sleeping on this very bench. A kind older man named Rayu had brought her here, given her something to eat, and then told her to rest while he went to find Corvin. But Corvin hadn't come. Or had he? A pack sack was pushed under the bench, and it was definitely not from this world. Kate closed the door most of the way and pulled the pack sack out. On top was a plaid shirt, and beneath it was Corvin's slingshot, his name neatly carved into the handle. She smiled to herself. Corvin had let her use it until she started beating him. Then he made some excuse about not overstretching the rubber. Lifting it up, she pulled back on the leather pouch and aimed it through the crack of the door. She dropped her hand. Three men were approaching the crypt. Jamming the slingshot into the pocket of her tunic, Kate grabbed the pack and hurried to a wider bench on the far side of the crypt. Pushing the pack underneath, she rolled herself back against the wall. The door opened wider and three men ducked inside. One of them shut the door until only a sliver of gray light entered the room. The tallest of the three pointed to the one closest to the door. Keep an eye out. We can't be caught in here when our leader arrives. He will accuse us of treason. The man at the door nodded and turned into the light. His nose was crooked and his one eye was badly bruised. Isn't that what we're here for? A short man with a helmet under his arm spoke out. Perhaps, the tall man replied. Is that what you are suggesting? Quit playing games. The short man sat on the bench. We are all fully aware of what has to be done. The only reason we left a palace guard was because we wanted to assist in overthrowing the chief watcher. We should never have allowed this undisciplined rabble from Roseanne and their insane leader to join our cause. He has them convinced that the death of their own city gives them the right to take over Kadir. Now, the Kadir we wanted to protect from the chief watcher will come under his rule instead. He pointed at the tall man. The time has come to act. Tell us what you know. The tall man spoke calmly. I have met with the captain of the guard. He tells me the palace is willing to share control of Kadir with the palace guard, and he is severing their ties with the priests. The new high priest has turned to the rebels for protection, but now he finds himself controlled by the false Corvan. I doubt the girl in our base was even Tirith. None of us that knew her could even get close enough to check. The explosion and her death was just an excuse to incite the troops to attack the palace. The short man spoke angrily. It's suicide. These people from Roseanne have become tough from all they've been through, but they lack the skill to fight in the streets. The palace guard will cut them down from the walls and towers. The tall man leaned forward and glanced toward the door. Their Corvan tells them otherwise. He says his priest will sneak us all inside the temple compound and that a surprise attack on the palace will succeed without any bloodshed, but he is wrong. The captain of the palace guard is no fool and he is ready for them. The younger man with the bruised face spoke out. What do you suggest we do? The tall man pointed at the door. We need to contact the captain of the guard and inform him that the entire rebel army is here in the crypts. If he can trap the rebels in this clearing, this invasion will end quickly, with fewer lives being needlessly lost. The helmet rattled in the hands of the short man. It will not work. The palace guard will not come out into the city at night with all the broken out looking for blood. That is no longer the case, the tall man replied. Recent reports say most of them drowned themselves in the river. More lies from our Corvan, the man with the helmet retorted. 
The tall man waved a hand at him. No, this is confirmed by our friends in the palace guard. It defies understanding, but it is true. Their desire for Lumians must have driven them to follow the river down to Adamir City. But if the palace attacks here, many will die, including good men who were in the palace guard before the rise of the chief watcher. But where does their loyalty lie now? The tall man asked him. Don't they have enough common sense to see through their leader's rantings? The helmet waved in the air, catching the light from the door. Any thinking person can understand how crazy this all is. This remnant from Roseanne City are so desperate to find a new home, they will believe anything he says. How can they possibly believe Tirith wanted to marry this fool or that soldiers from the palace would kill her to stop the marriage from happening? How can they even follow someone who wears a dead animal on his head? Everyone knows the Rantals died out long ago. Quiet down, the tall man barked. There are Roseannes all around us, and yes, they are desperate enough to follow whatever he says. But to stop him, I need to directly contact the captain of the palace guard. I will go and enlist his help while you seek out those among the rebels who are still loyal to Kadir. We must work together to contain the rebels here and stop this insanity before more lives are lost. The people from Roseanne don't deserve to die here in Kadir just because they are starving and desperate. And if your plan fails... The younger one who had been watching the door spoke up, his bruised face etched with determination by the shaft of light. Pulling a crossbow from his back, he addressed the other men. Then I will do what I have said all along. I will kill the false Corvan where he stands. His words hung in the dim air a moment, and then the man holding the helmet jammed it on his head. I agree. It is better that this one man die than the whole corps be torn apart. A horn sounded outside, and the younger man turned and checked. They are assembling the troops. We need to leave. He opened the door a bit wider and slipped out. The others paused a moment before following him. Kate waited until they were gone, then crawled out from under the bench and crept to the door. They had not shut it all the way as something was caught in the track at the bottom edge. Kneeling, she pulled a dented tin can out of the dirt. As she stood up, a loud cheer erupted from the soldiers. Kate looked out over the heads of the crowd and almost fell over backwards. A tall man in a black cloak and a strange, skin-tight hat stood on a raised platform. Beside him, clothed in a long white dress, stood Tirith.